So hello and welcome to the Talks Tonight podcast. Me and Harry are back and today we've got Ed Cursons. How are you doing, Matt? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, beaming in from grey, miserable Sheffield. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but just about doing all right, I think, today. Yeah, how have you, um, how have you found like 2020? Because obviously it's been a bit of a mad one. Yeah, mad, mad's a good, uh, good word for it. Um, uh, largely bored and a bit dull because I've not been able to do anything um, work-wise that is I've, I've, I've been occupying myself as I think most people in the world seems to have been doing doing DIY jobs around the house and doing all those little things that you always never find time to do and you actually found time to do them this year so I've uh, been doing all that but work-wise music um, not a huge amount uh, I'm kind of lucky I suppose that I've, I've obviously got got my uh, album coming out early next year and, and whatnot so I've been able to busy myself a little bit sort of preparing for that and and doing stuff for that but yeah it's, it's been a bit of a weird one hasn't it um obviously missed out on a load of gigs this summer and uh should have just finished a tour so yeah it's, it's been a bit rubbish hasn't it yeah definitely not been not been the greatest it's not been a memorable year by no. any <laughs> so, well, it's been memorable but for the wrong reasons oh well, yeah. Well, yeah in terms of what you've done personally it's just inside my room but (laughs) I suppose uh, to kick off the questions I'd like to ask you about your time in Reverend and and the Makers and like how has that been for you? How's it been? Yeah Um, it's been it's been interesting it's been incredibly fun it's been frustrating at times Um, Mm. yeah it's been I mean where are we now it's been what we on like about 15 years now 16 years we've been doing it so a long old time really a lot, a lot can happen in, in that kind of time and um yeah so it's definitely been a roller coaster um we used to, in the early days we used to jokingly call it rev enders because there, <laughs> there was always some kind of drama going on and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so but no it's, it's been it's been uh it's been amazing really obviously we've, we've we've done a lot of things you know we've toured sort of all over the world and you know, we've done TV stuff, and yeah, it's, it's been it's been pretty mental. Um, mm. But you know, it's it's one of those things that if you'd asked us, you know, 15 years ago, if we'd still be sort of talking about it as a as a thing now in 2020, um, especially particularly a, a still an active thing, really, um, we'd we'd have just laughed at you, you know. So yeah, feel pretty humbled and pretty honoured that that we've managed to sort of keep a career going this long so far and you know that, that we've still got people interested in 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 you know what we're doing and we've got that kind of fan base and you know it's it's to say it's, it's quite humbling really that that we're still doing it because a lot of lot of our peers at the time a lot of people who were in bands at the time when we first started they're obviously they're not not doing it anymore they're not in bands they've all moved on for whatever reason so yeah just just feel really lucky um to still be sort of involved in, in music and obviously now moving forward with the solo thing it's uh you know even more even more lucky really mm. so you touched on the auditorium theme of revenue makers so we got guys who supported a arctic monkeys and oasis on their last stadium tour how was that <laughs> yeah well i mean the monkeys thing we're, we're, we're like kind of like old friends with those guys so that, that mm. was just a really kind of special time and obviously when they were just exploding in the way they did nobody quite predicted that and so that was a really sort of special and fun time to just be on tour with your mates while all that was going on that was pretty cool um and the oasis thing yeah that that was i mean obviously at the time we didn't know exactly that it was going to be the last 
kind of tour that they did, although I think quite a few people on the inside were suspecting that they might not have gone on much longer after that. But mm-hmm. yeah, that, that was pretty great. I mean, obviously, just to play stadiums in the first place is pretty mental, no matter who, you, who you're touring with. Um, so that was pretty good. And also the lineup was incredible. Was, I think Kasabian were, was, was sort of main main support. Mm. And that was just, I think, when West Pauper had just come out and they just had fire out and they were just absolutely going nuts as well. So that was pretty incredible on its own. They were the main support act, you know what I mean? So, mm. yeah, it was uh, interesting and being able to spend time with with uh, you know, Noel and Liam and, and the rest of the guys um, was, was, was great. Obviously, I... I sort of in my teens growing up sort of through the whole Britpop thing and you know Oasis were obviously a massive band for me and one of the reasons that I was I, was, I kind of do music in a way and, and you know that whole sort of they, they allowed people to think they, they could be in a band you know and the normal people could do it and, and we did sort of things so yeah that that was mental sort of meeting one of one of my sort of uh, bands that I idolised growing up um, slightly odd in that I think because again at the time Noel and Liam didn't really have a lot to do with each other yeah. outside mm-hmm. of being on stage, so it was all very kind of separate. There was like the Noel camp and there was the Liam camp, so that was a bit mm-hmm. weird. I think we had, I think there were three nights we did at, at Wembley uh, Stadium, and on each different night they each had a different party after show party. <laughs> but you know that that was just what it was at the time, and so obviously at the time we didn't know that it was definitely the last thing they were going to do. But yeah, it was, there was definitely some odd sort of goings on so mm. but yeah amazing amazing thing to, to to have done to be able to say we did if you uh like look back on your uh, your career as a musician like just from when you started and then in reference to the makers have you got like any particular like point which you thought this is it like it'll never get better than this yeah. <laughs> it'll never get better than this um I've, I've probably had several moments like that along the way really um, I mean, obviously, with the, the kind of the first album, the Rev thing going, I think it was top five. It went in the, the album, and obviously having heavyweight top ten single and all that, you think, wow, that's pretty pretty special. Um, you like to think at the time that that's going to carry on, and that you, you'd, you'd have more kind of hits in that of that nature. But so at the time, you probably don't think, well, that's that's as good as it's going to get. But I think in terms of the chart stuff for the band obviously that that was the highest we, we sort of got so but yes that moving on and, and touring with people like oasis and, and Sabian and you know we, we supported red hot chili peppers at nebworth you know it's things like that. you walk out of nebworth in front of god knows how many thousand people <laughs> and you're just like this is insane you know this literally can't get bigger than this you know what i mean it's like one of those things but i don't know there's, there's been lots of really special moments all the way through really um so I, I don't, I don't, I don't ever feel like I've kind of got as far as I can go, or, or, or there's not going to be anything to top the last thing because I think everything you move on to, like the solo thing, you know, at the beginning I, I never imagined that I'd, I'd be at this sort of point releasing a, a record on my own, and so to be able to do that, that's now sort of top of the pile almost for me, you know, on a personal level. It's mm. so you, you kind of, I think that's the nature of, of music and being in music that. You know, you're always developing. You're always doing something new, uh, and it's you know the, the last thing you, you you kind of did always feels kind of the most significant in a way. Yeah. So, what's been like your thinking behind your decision to go solo? Um, it's well, it's been something that's kind of been in in my head for for a number of years, um, and it's 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 a combination, I guess, of 
finding a bit of a, a bit of a vibe in terms of the songwriting on my own that I was happy with that I, I found a sort of a, a bit of a confidence within myself that what I was doing on my own was as good and stood up next to you know stuff we've done with the band and you know all, all sort of my other peers and things over the years um thinking kind of lyrically more you know working with someone like John um in the band who's obviously an amazing lyricist and, and having obviously worked with Alex and Alex Turner and people in the past you know again amazing lyricists you, you're always kind of comparing yourself to that so I, that, it took me a minute to sort of get my head around that and find the confidence to to think like I might not be as good as those guys but I can certainly stand up next to them you know and and that's so that, that took a minute and just timing wise I think as well we, we had a, a bit of a natural sort of lull from the Reverend thing with you know we, we, we had the last couple of albums and then we did the best of last year and we're sort of slowly beginning to to move towards thinking about another record but there's obviously been a period in between where it's there's been a bit of a lull, so it just seemed like the right time to do it. So all of those factors kind of came together, and 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 here we are, sort of thing. Very nice, very nice. So your new song is "If" is out. How was the influences behind the writing behind that, or the sound? Where did it come from? Uh, so, well, "If" is strangely it's the oldest song on the record, the one I wrote sort of longest ago. Um, it's kind of the song that began to pull everything together for the album. And so finding that kind of that kind of confidence and belief in, in the songs I was writing that they were going to be good enough, that was the one that sort of started it off. And um, yeah, I think it was when we when when we finally got in the studio to record the album. Again, that was the first song that kind of one of the first ones we recorded, and it, it, it instantly just clicked the way it sounded, and it it almost led on to the rest of the album and it formed a lot of the sound of that album. And I think, yeah, just kind of, it kind of embodied everything that I've kind of learned over the years in terms of, you know, crafting the songs and stuff that I've, I've listened to over the years that you, I'm, I'm very into kind of the way things sound specific and, you know, not just putting down a, an acoustic guitar and banging some drums on it and there you go kind of thing. It was, I like that kind of the little intricacies and the little bits of music that you hear and that pop in, and, you know, throughout the tracks and all those kind of things sort of go into 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 that song. And I say, yeah, it was it was the first song on the, on, that we recorded on the record that really kind of showed the way forward for the record. If you see what I mean. And it if ties in with um, several music videos you're doing, doesn't it? Like, um, yeah. What what's like the idea behind that? Because it sort of tells a story, doesn't it? Yeah, so yeah, there's there's going to be four tracks that we're going to release. Um, the fourth track coming out when the album comes out in the end of January, and it was we, I kind of sat down thinking we'd, we'd recorded the album, we've got the music, and I was thinking sort of how are we going to represent the album visually? Because um, obviously it's, it's, the world's very kind of visual now. You need you need something to that people can sort of flick through Twitter or Instagram and, and see something and it jump out at them and. And then I thought, well, it'd be good to have, nice to have a video that, that kind of works for the track, but also you, you want to have something that kind of pulls people in a little bit, you know what I mean? It's not just a throwaway thing, because like I said, people just scroll past stuff nowadays, don't they? And yeah. So I, want, I wanted to make something that had a bit more of a, a reason for watching. Um, so I thought, well, could we could I sort of make something that, that kind of tied together the four tracks 
Um, and then got on to think about that. And then the short film idea came out and thought, well, how about if we wrote a short film and then sort of cut the tracks out of the short film sort of thing. And, um, and yeah, the narrative of the film sort of loosely follows some of the themes of the songs, um, sort of my relationships and, you know, growing a bit older and, and looking back at, at things I've done and, and, you know, obviously got a family now and things like that. And all, all those little things went into the, to the narrative and, and, and yeah, it, it, it seemed like a, a, a sort of a really cool thing to try and do. And luckily we, we managed to pull it off and it looks great. So really pleased with it. And yeah, as I said, it's the first one. And there'll be there's three more parts. Um, and then at the end, we're going to put it all together as a short film and, and release that as well. So, yeah, it was, it was just something a bit more interesting, I think, something to try and <coughs> grab people in, you know. It's also something I've not really seen many artists doing that these days. I think the earnest on music videos is definitely dying down. So it's almost like trying to bring it back in like a new, innovative way. It's, yeah, it sounds, mm. sounds really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, like I said, it is, it's just something a bit different. And I, I didn't want it to just be a throwaway video that, that like, people just sort of watched once and then forgot about, you know. So I like to think when the next track is coming out, people will go back and rewatch the first one as well and mm. try and tie them all in. So there's all that kind of stuff going on as well. So, yeah. 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 So what are your future plans after? Uh, obviously, you've got the album coming out. And now when all that's done, do you feel like you'll get back with Reverend, or do you think this is just a solo thing from now on? <laughs> no, I think um, well, first and foremost, the album come out, and then I'll I'll cross my fingers and pray that I can actually do some gigs at oh, some yeah, point. That would yeah. be nice. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, I'm just missing gigs massively. I'm just mm. desperate to do anything, you know, at the minute. It's, uh, so yeah, do that, and then but no, yeah, Reverend's definitely not finished. We're um, I so say we're kind of in discussions and thinking about the next record and where we're going to go with that and and yeah, putting plans together to, to sort of get back into that mode. So yeah, it's, I say it's all kind of worked out nice time-wise that we get this solo thing out and 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 whatever goes with that and then yeah, move on to the next Reverend album. But oh, I mean, it's certainly by by no means a one-off the solo thing. I'd, I'd very much like to to get back in and make another record as soon as I can. Uh, for the solo thing, I've already written sort of quite a few songs that, that I'd, I'd include in that. So, yeah, it's it's, it's very much a, a, a thing to, to run parallel with the Reverend thing. I think they, they, they complement each other. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to have have both things now creatively, you know, to different sort of outputs for different things. So, yeah, yeah. like if you will look, if you were going to look forward ten years. For example, what would you like to think you've achieved by then? Well, uh, well, as I said, I mean, if you if you said to me that ten years ago, you know, what, what would I think and hope to achieve? Then, I mean, I don't know really. It, it would be nice to think that I'd still be doing it in another ten years. You know, that'd be that'd be nice, mm. um, and it would be nice to. Um, I mean, obviously, the revenue thing's been going. For, for say about fifteen years now, so hopefully we, you know, I think I think there'll always be a place for the Reverend thing, no matter what happens, really, because we, we've always had that kind of fan base that I think will will always kind of be there for us as long as as long as we don't get bored of it or we don't think that what we're doing is not good enough anymore. Do you know what I mean? That that that'd be a a point where we'd have to stop and think about it. But so I think the Reverend thing, <clears throat> excuse me, will will always kind of be there but the solo thing yeah if I'm still doing a, a solo 
have a solo career in 10 years, I think that'd be really good. Um, just to think that it wasn't just a, a sort of a one-off or, you know, and, and, and that what I'm doing for the solo record it resonates with people in a similar way that the Reverend thing did. And, and you know, that the, the, the two can, can coexist side by side, really. Yeah, well, <clears throat> sorry. Obviously, like, in Sheffield, there's a lot of great music artists, like, coming up these days. Like, I don't know what your thoughts are on the... Um, the grassroots music scene in Sheffield. I don't know if you've got your finger on the pulse. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, the the issue I have nowadays is being a bit older and having kids and stuff. It kind of puts a bit of a kibosh on me uh, going out and watching gigs and going to sort of pubs every or every week. It's uh, it's difficult to keep your finger on the pulse with that. But I mean, what, what I am aware of is that. We we have a, a studio still um, for Everend and stuff where we rehearse and do bits and bobs, which is sort of in, sort of near the centre of Sheffield. And it's an old um, it's an old uh, factory that they used to make stag handled knives in. You know, part of the, the steel industry. And there's there's lots of little sort of rooms and workshops. And I think they have these places all over. Obviously, old industrial places that closed down and been inhabited by various people doing various things and. It's a real sort of melting pot of, of different different things and each room you, you walk past, you're always hearing somebody creating something different, you know, whether it be some kind of electronic music or just a band rehearsing or, you know, uh, next to us we've got a, a couple of bands that rehearse that do quite interesting uh, covers, uh, interesting not being interesting song choices, but interesting in the way they're performing them is quite... Mm. Uh, <laughs> quite funny at times but um yeah so that i'm aware that there's a lot of kind of music still going on in, in and around sheffield um, just by virtue of being around it still um in that context and i think sheffield's always been like that you know all, all the way through there's always these little places and people doing their own thing really which is, is i think it's quite unique to sheffield almost in a way that it's not like you know manchester or liverpool or obviously london and bigger places like that that shout about what they're doing and it's all like well, the Manchester scene or you know the Mersey beat and all this. Sheffield's never really had that. Obviously it was the, kind of the home of British Electronica in the 80s and you know, the whole uh, the Arctic Monkeys thing but it, it, it's always been quite sort of disparate really but every now and then it all kind of bubbles together to form you know this, this one kind of thing but it's still a lot of in individual people doing their own thing which I think is quite nice and it adds to the sort of fabric of the the city and, and what keeps music from Sheffield quite interesting, I think, over the years. It's mm. not stuck in one kind of thing. It's always there's always lots of different people doing lots of things. Yeah, like you said, when people say from Manchester, you kind of already picture the sound, what you're gonna be listening mm -hmm. to. You know, <laughs> was like what you say, oh, we're a band from Sheffield, it could be anything. It really could exactly. yeah, do you know what I mean? Because I see you've got the whole electronic thing or it's like Def Leppard bring me the horizon, there's the monkeys, you know. And then, you know, obviously you've got sort of pulp and, and people like that. And uh, I think a lot of the, I mean, stuff of the um, the baseline scene from a few years back was sort of a lot of that originated in the niche nightclub in Sheffield. So you've got all these different kind of, yeah, genres of music just, um, yeah, coming out of the city. And it's, it's pretty incredible, really. Brilliant. So um, if you had like, if you could play with any band or artist, who would you play with? Me personally, or just yeah, the, yeah. Um, yeah, you personally. 
Interesting. Somebody asked me this a similar question recently, actually, and I think my answer—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll stick to the same answer because I think it'd be amazing. Although, unfortunately, um, all the people I've played with are dead now, so it'd be quite difficult to actually put together. But um, I would—I would—I would love if—if—if if, if we were just talking pure fantasy to have a gig that was uh, David Bowie headlined, mm-hmm. and then the main sport was Bill Withers. Uh, then, then I, I do a little set there, um, which would be nice. <laughs> and then, but the opening act, just to set the sort of move for that, I'd have uh, John Barry and his orchestra playing. You know, the guy who did all the Bond themes and stuff, mm. uh, and amongst that, many other amazing bits of music. So I think it'd just be a really interesting sort of mix. And I, yeah, I, I just love sort of a lot. I'm well, I'm into a lot of classical music as well, but John Barry's stuff, you know, it's so evocative and. It's just, it just, I think it'd just be a really interesting way to open a gig, have a big orchestra playing all those classics. Yeah, it would be. You know. But then, yes, I've, I mean, Bill Withers was is incredible. Um, absolute just means the world to me as a musician and as a lyricist. And just his life, actually, the, his story, you know, he didn't obviously start playing, even playing the guitar till he was in his 30s, you know, and just the fact that at any time of your life you could find a confidence to do and, and an ability to do something that's that's incredible, you know. So that that's a real inspirational kind of mm. thing for me. Why Bowie? Because on this uh, on this podcast, we're going about Bowie quite a lot. For me, <laughs> yeah. the most influential artist of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. Like one of my favorite albums is Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. But why is he? Yeah. I would be headlining for you. Well, just because I think Bowie, more than anybody, I think, really, particularly in British kind of music and culture, just epitomised something that I I believe quite strongly in, that no matter what you do, in whatever art form it is, because obviously Bowie was more than just music, wasn't it, you know? Mm. Um, It's as long as what you're doing is, A, the best that you can do, and B, is, is, is true to... To who you are and what you want to do, then then that's that's all that matters really. And, and Bowie just epitomised that. He, he was always about the art first and foremost, and, and the quality of the art, and, and what he kind of believed in at the time, you know. And that obviously changed throughout his career. And he was never standing still. He was always looking forward. And I think that's that's something really inspiring to to, to sort of follow his career and look at all the different changes he went through and all the different music that he made. And he was never just like, well, I, I can do this and that did really well, so I'll just do that. It wasn't about that. It was about, you know, the, the purest form of art, really, that it was always about the next thing and, and, and whatever it was at that moment in time that, that he could do that was the best thing he could do and what he wanted to do. And, and that's what he did. And I think, yeah, just to be able to witness that in, in the flesh and sort of see him perform all those songs and become all those different characters, you know, I think it should be amazing. And I'm, I'm, I'm gutted that I never got the chance to to, to see him, you know. Yeah, me too, because like, mm. like you said, he, he never really, like, cared about what people thought about him. If he thought it was good, he did it. And it yeah, yeah. everything he did was good. But, like, a lot of artists... <laughs> just, it. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, just, just like the, the kind of the, the sheer sort of balls. So when, when he was Ziggy Stars, and he, it was a gig at... Um, forget where it was in London and he, he on stage he just announced that that was the end of Ziggy Stardust and the rest of the band were like what are you on about mm. and he just decided that was it he, he was done with it and to move on and it didn't matter how successful it was 
because he'd got another another thing he wanted to do artistically. You know, it's just like mm. wow to have the kind of the attitude to do that and to follow it through is, is incredible because a lot I don't think many people would would do that. You know, yeah, I was just going to say like not many bands or artists do push the boat out, so to speak, anymore. Like say like they have like they release one album that does amazing, then they go, yeah, we're sticking with that. Let's just release that. Yeah. Same kind of sound again. Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean that's that's something that we've always been conscious with actually with with the Mm -hmm. Reverend thing that you know it it would have been very easy to just sort of make another state of things when that came out and just just copy the formula and try and do it again. But obviously at the time, particularly John had had things he wanted to say, and the second Reverend album became very kind of political and, and stuff. But he obviously mm. had those things he wanted to say, and, and that's that became what it became. And then ever since then, we've always been trying to not repeat ourselves too much, um, and, and always trying, like I said, be be be, be true to what what we're sort of thinking and what we want to do, you know. Um, so yeah, that 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 kind of that that again, that's why Bowie, I think, is for me is you know so incredible that he allows people to think in that way. Mm. With Bowie, he was like original, and I think a lot, of, a lot of artists upcoming nowadays they see what's been successful in like the past three or four years, and they try and like almost copy it or take heavy influences from it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like not, not many bands these days are like doing their own thing. I think one prime example I don't know if you're aware of is Idols. A few mm-hmm. years ago, came about and they, that was like it was fresh for like. Mm-hmm. Since the 2000s, it was a fresh sound, and obviously when Arctic Monkeys came about, that was quite fresh and new. But not many bands nowadays are uh, trying to do it. I don't think. Well, I think I think it's it's just I mean it's, it's so difficult nowadays. It's such a an sort of exhausted industry now. There's, there's so much music available anywhere you want, any time of the day, and I think it's difficult for people to think. Well, I'm I'm just going to do my little thing and to put it out there it's, it's incredibly difficult without following like you're saying without following things that are popular already and thinking well mm-hmm. that's popular I'll do that it's incredibly difficult not to do that um which is I think is why there's there's, there's not that many bands around that do it anymore because everything's so saturated now you know I think if if we were a new band starting out now I, I honestly don't know if we'd even succeed you know because it's so difficult um but you know there's, there's always going to be bands like i said like idols came out and you know fontaine's there another one that i think have done something really cool recently but again i mean that, that, that they're not groundbreaking there's nothing massive new about it it's just it's very good you know that, that's i think that's the thing and you know hopefully at some point something's going to come around that's going to flip everything on its head again but you know, quite what that is i, I mean i've no mm. idea too old to think about it probably now. <laughs> it's probably not me that's going to do it so I don't know um, something's going to happen at some point though it has to it always does you know I think something really original that came out a couple of years ago was Arctic Monkey's most recent record we did mm. one about that a lot as well because we think that is a fantastic album don't know what your opinion is I know I absolutely love it yeah absolutely love it I think just yeah yeah just because it's something a little bit different and like Alex clearly wanted to do something that was, you know, different and a bit more stylized, and and obviously it's, it's I mean, in a way, it's kind of easy for for them and for him to do that in the, the position they're in. But still, you know, it, 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 he could have easily just gone and made another AM, you know, mm. 
which obviously did incredibly well. So to then think, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I think, yeah, a lot of people were a bit like, oh, what's, what's he done here? That's a bit weird, am I? But they actually listened to it. It's an incredible record. You know, and yeah, it, yeah. it kind of speaks to me, like I was saying about that kind of the musical intricacies and, and all the different sort of elements. And yeah, it's, it's a brilliant record. Yeah, it definitely took balls to like completely change the sound, but it's something that they did like throughout their career. And I'll, I'm really excited to see what they've come back with next. Apparently, they does mm -hmm. the studio now. I'm yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think, I mean, Alex is, is obviously one of those kind of sort of once in a generation. Um, <laughs> people that you know just will always bring out something new and interesting and, and probably very good because he's, he's just you know he's one of those characters and one of those songwriters that yeah there aren't many of him around so yeah I think the next thing they do will they'll you know in whatever it is in one way or another will be will be really good when you played with them or all, all the way back then did you think they would be as big as what they are um I don't know. It's difficult, really, because I say that at the time there was kind of them, there was us, and there was Milburn and yeah. uh, Promets, Jacket, Long Blondes. There were loads of loads of sort of bands from Sheffield. They all did pretty well. Um, I think I think when because we we did the tour with them. I think it was the, when when their album, the first album, was out. And I think if I can remember rightly, we were in. I think it was Brixton Academy. They were playing. And we were obviously supporting, and it was the day I think their the debut album went platinum, and I remember them getting this platinum disc presented to them sort of backstage, and you sort of looked at that and thought, oh, "Hang on a minute, that's that's like a, a proper deal. That that's that's not just your mate band doing well. That's like the the proper year." Uh, so yeah, I think at that point, I think it was clear that they 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 struck a chord in some way with. But yeah, uh, whether they'd have uh, the time I thought they'd have got to where they are now, I don't know. It's difficult to say, really. But mm. it was clear that Alex was incredibly talented. I mean, for, for how old he was at the time as well, you know, it was mentally to us, he was he was just the, you know our, our sort of mate who was really quiet and just played a bit of rhythm guitar in one of our bands, you know, years ago before before the Reverend of the Monkeys thing. So uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a strange one to think of him being. The kind of the rock star that he is now, but yeah, mm -hmm. I think I think it was clear at that point that they were they were going to do something pretty special. That's really interesting. <laughs> like, yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ed, thank you for your time. It's been absolute no. yeah, absolute pleasure. No, yeah, I'll uh, look forward to listening back. Well, Harry, again, thank you for joining us. Well, um, mm -hmm. make sure to check out Ed's solo stuff. The link is below. It, I mean, his video for If is magnificent and the song it's not too bad as well. So make sure Thank you. Uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> and, um, yeah, thanks for watching again. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you. See you.